Welcome to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. The U.S.-based casual restaurant chain P.F. Chang's turns 25 years old this year, and it has just opened its first store in China. And I am so happy to welcome me to this podcast, CEO Michael Osanlu. Michael, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. So the tagline you're using for the P.F. Chang's in Shanghai is an American bistro, which is a little ironic. Uh, Tell me how you are marketing your restaurant to the Chinese. Well, it's a funny question because I'll tell you, uh, our positioning in the U.S. is farm to walk. And farm to walk means a lot of things, but it means we try to source sustainably and locally where possible. It means we cook everything from scratch. It means that we uh, make everything to order. Interestingly enough, none of that works in China for us. (laughs) Why is that? Well, because when you tell them, hey, we make everything from scratch and we cook to order, they kind of look at you like, well, what else would you do? Is there any other way? That's how we cook. And so what we stumbled upon, to be totally honest with you, is that we're an American bistro. And the Chinese love that. And it's funny because what it means in their minds is wealthy, more affluent Chinese now would – choose to issue eating rice or noodles. They want to eat mm-hmm. protein and veggies. And God bless, that's our that's our menu. Because when you have a Mongolian beef with P.F. Chang's in China, it's 12 ounces of beef and two ounces of onions. If you go to a local Chinese restaurant, you're getting four ounces of beef and four ounces of onions. It's quite a difference. Big difference. Any other menu differences between the P.F. Chang's in Shanghai and here in the U.S.? You know, it's funny Funny enough, the most popular items that we have in the U.S. are also the most popular items that we have in Shanghai. So Chang's chicken, lettuce wraps, uh, firecracker chicken, and um, our dynamite shrimp, very, very popular. Oh, I love the dynamite shrimp. Yeah, who doesn't like deep fried shrimp? <laughs> right, yeah, pile it on. Why was now the right time to, to enter the Chinese market? You've been with the company now for three years. One of the reasons why you were brought in was to help the company, uh, the chain, expand and grow. But why now as opposed to some other time? Well, it, th- this is not just a recent event. We've been looking for a partner to expand into China for the better part of two years. We settled on a partner about a year ago, and then we've been working towards this opening, you know, uh, night and day for the last year. So it's been something that's been in the works for a while. Uh, I think for our business, China unlocks a whole new dimension of growth because if we can be successful in a market like China, Shanghai itself, I think we can put 10, 10 restaurants in Shanghai. And if you think and not oversaturate? No, because if you think about the top 10 Chinese cities, you know, last I looked, there are almost 150 million people in just 10 cities in China. And so if you think about just the middle class of China, it's... Which is growing by leaps and bounds. And it's more than every party in the United States. And so China is a dramatically uh, larger market for us and has incredible potential. You mentioned that you partnered with um, a restaurant uh, company. I know that the Chinese can sometimes tell foreign companies coming in they must partner with a Chinese company there on the ground. Was that the case here? Is your partner a Chinese company? No, our partner is actually a European-based company, but they're a large uh, operator of restaurants, restaurants. Um, Uh, fast food places, even gas stations. And so they've been prolific around the globe and they do a lot of great things in in China already. So we have great local partnership with them. We've also been thoughtful about when we opened up our restaurant, we have 14 team members in the United States who speak Cantonese, Mandarin, who have Chinese descent. Mm. We've sent them back to China to help train up that team to help smooth the opening. And so I think we've tried to be very respectful of 
the local Chinese authorities, but also the local Chinese customs. You're certainly not the first U.S. casual restaurant chain to enter the market. There's a TGIFs, there's Kentucky Kentucky Fried Chicken, which frankly, the experience there with at KFC, very different from here. Yeah. It's a sit-down, sort of high-end uh, dining experience. Has that changed at all, the, the experience or the look of the of the restaurant in China? Uh, in some ways, yes. In other ways, no. The Chinese restaurant that we built is gorgeous. And in fact, I think it is a model for the direction that we're headed in the U.S. It's, you know, it's funny. Some of our older restaurants in the U.S. have a, a more of an antiquated uh, look with old murals. In China, it is bold, vivid graphic art. It is uh, like graffiti street mural type art bold, vibrant colors. And it's certainly been a cue for us in the United States. The last few restaurants, new restaurants that we've opened up, you know, we're, we're getting a little bit more edgy. We have beautiful artwork in there. We have bolder colors. The only other difference in China is the use of red. So right. red is a very uh, celebratory, powerful, emotional color. And so our Chinese restaurant has a lot more red than you might see in some of our U.S. restaurants. Now, dealing with the Chinese government, did you have to make any concessions? I mean, we know this is big for the tech companies. Many times they have to be worried about proprietary intellectual property being stolen. Did you have to give them anything in order to open your doors there? You know, uh, you know, perhaps it's an ironic twist, but all of our recipes actually came out of China originally. <laughs> so mm-hmm. in some ways, there's a, there's a poetic irony that we're taking Chinese recipes and going back to China and, and cooking with them. We know that um, China-U.S. relations are tenuous at the moment, trade tensions seeming to heat up. I would imagine you're looking at this closely. How might this affect your business in China? You know, honestly, um, uh, my perspective is that all the administration has done is set a very aggressive negotiating stance. That's really what it is. And I think that that is the history of our president and how he has comported himself with other negotiations. Uh, I, I think he takes a tough stance. And I think I, I believe that, you know, with the with the trade team that's gone out there led by uh, Secretary Mnuchin, mm-hmm. I, I actually think that we're going to get to a resolution that'll probably be better than most people uh, thought we'd get. Any surprises for you, challenges foreseen or unforeseen doing business there in Shanghai? You know, uh, probably the biggest unforeseen challenge is is how difficult it's been to get the same quality of supply chain that we have in the United States. So it wouldn't surprise you to know that there's a lot of things that we source from China to cook with here in the United States, things like oyster sauce, some of our soy sauces. And when we do that, we actually are very uh, insistent that we want no MSG, gluten-free, very clean ingredients, very clean labels. It's actually really challenging to get that in China, even though it's sourced in China. So where are you getting those things from for your restaurant there? What we've had to do is we're going through a distributor in Hong Kong (laughs) who takes it to export it to the rest of the world. And now they're repurposing it and sending it back to us in mainland China. Is that more expensive for you because it's it's doing doing that sort of circuitous route? A little bit. You know, I think these are kinds. These are the kind of nits and gnats that we'll figure out and get better with over time. Mm-hmm. But it was surprising that the great product that we buy from China shipped to the United States, we actually have a harder time getting it in China. 
You know, it's not easy to be uh, in your space right now. A lot of the casual dining restaurants have had a challenging time. Uh, one of the challenges is a labor shortage in the industry mm-hmm. and being able to find the workers needed with unemployment now near a 17-year low. Are you finding that that is, is a challenge for, for P.F. Chang's? Uh, are you experiencing a labor shortage? That's a great question, and it's, uh, it's, you're, you're spot on. The reality is in our industry, we rely heavily on people who are entering the workforce for the first time, people, you know, and, and many of the roles within a restaurant can, can be a little bit transitionary. It's I'm working now while I'm going to school as a server, things like that. So, yeah, we have, we have struggled with that, much like the rest of the casual dining industry. What I think we have tried to do is we really want to make sure that we're giving people a higher purpose for what they do. So we've rolled out what we call our true north. Our mission as a team members is to help our guests celebrate life, family, and food. And that's actually... Sounds like a good combination to me. Yeah, exactly. And it's actually resonating with our teams, and it's it's creating a little bit more stickiness with them. You have 20,000 employees? Yeah, just about. And how many locations? Just walk us through that and where they are. So we have 216 company-owned and operated locations in the United States, and we have roughly another... 85 international franchise partners around the globe. Are you happy being privately held? Any thoughts to do otherwise? We have great partners, and my uh, my private equity sponsors have been very, very supportive of the team and all of our growth aspirations. So um, being privately held, being publicly held, it's just ownership. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really affect a whole lot of what we get to do day to day. What about expansion plans? Um, plans for international expansion here in the U.S.? What are you looking at for the next three to five years? Yeah. You know, uh, when I joined the company, we had been on a bit of a lull. We had not been opening restaurants. Uh, last year, we opened six restaurants domestically. We opened 12 restaurants internationally. This year, we're on track to open seven restaurants domestically and somewhere between 14 and 16 internationally. Mm. I think that's a very sustainable pace for us. We're opening new restaurants in markets that, uh, frankly, have surprised all of us of how well they've performed. Like what? Like Lubbock, Texas. Oh. You know, it's a, it's a great college town, mm-hmm. but there's not a huge established population there. That restaurant is performing 30% higher than all of our models predicted. Maybe that's because you're the only game in town if you want food like this? We're the only game within an hour drive. And <laughs> That'll people do drive it. an hour for P.F. Chang's. <laughs> that's great. Talk to me about automation yeah. uh, affecting so many industries. Really, what industry is it not affecting? How, is, how are you incorporating AI at P.F. Chang's? So um, the most basic things that we're doing is we've uh, recently rolled out what we call our, our kitchen display system. So if you think about a traditional model, you have a server who writes down an order, goes back, submits the order to somebody who cooks it, and the server's trying to pace things. Like if you order your appetizers and your meal, server might put in the appetizer order and then later go back and put in the meal order. Our KDS system, it's an algorithm. It automates all that. It puts it all into a, a computer. The computer starts firing up different items so that all the appetizers get cooked and come out to the expo window at the same time. That's nice. And then it knows that, hey, it typically takes you about eight minutes to eat your um, eat your appetizers. And so two minutes after I've served you your appetizers, mm-hmm. I'm starting to cook your entrees so that as you finish your apps, you get your entrees. This I view as a win-win because a guest doesn't want a... Some, many guests don't want a long, drawn-out experience, and so that's a win-win. The other thing that we're really carefully exploring is figuring out the right way to take payment 
at the table with the guest. That's huge. Because you've been, I'm sure, you've been at a restaurant, you're ready to pay your check, and then you're waiting. Can't find the waiter. Nope. And then they disappear with your credit card, right. and you can't find them again. <laughs> you're and being held hostage. You can't leave. Well, you know, from our perspective, I want you to be able to leave when you want to leave because I want to use that table for the next guest. Exactly. Turnover is big in the restaurant industry. So that's another win-win that I can make the guest happy and I can make the business and my team members happy by cracking the code on how to do pay at the table. How is that going? I mean, is that an offering already at P.F. Chang's pay at the table? We have a couple of different pilots that we're looking at. You want to make sure it's the right technology. It's simple and easy to use. And then, and then you know, the biggest challenge is you have to make sure that you're incredibly secure on the data that you're collecting. That was going to be my next question. Because anytime we're giving over payment information in the back of our minds, or at least in the back of my mind, I'm saying, will this information be safe? Yeah. And every time you're giving me your payment information, I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, we got to protect this all from the hackers because we're going to get in trouble. Right. Exactly. Well, what about, I mean, because this is the world we live in, whatever data might be collected at the point of purchase, um, what do you do with that data? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Will you be collecting data and what might you do with it? We are very, very careful not to collect any uh, private information. I just don't want to be in the business of holding your private data. We don't hold your credit card number. We do none of that stuff. So what we will do is we'll typically hold your name and the last four digits of your telephone number if you give it to us Mm -hmm. for our loyalty program so that we can make sure that you're getting marketed to in a way that you want, you're getting the right offers, and you're getting credit for every dining experience with us. Talk to me about some of the trends you're seeing now uh, in your industry. You talk about uh, sort of the basis of P.F. Chang's is being um, farm to walk, which I love. And we know that more and more people are looking for locally sourced food, and they just want to eat and drink healthier. So what are some of the changes that are have been incorporated or that we might look forward to at P.F. Chang's? You know, um, Uh, I have a mentor who advises me in this business who tells me that what's different, the fundamental thing that's different about the restaurant business today versus 15, 20 years ago is that you could be relatively mediocre and do well 15, 20 years ago. That's no longer an option. People are, uh, have become appropriately demanding and savvy. And with the advent of social media, if you give people a bad experience, everyone's going to know. Oh, yeah. And so I think the bar is higher. And I think the truth is that what in general people want is they want to eat food that makes them feel better but still excites their mouth and their taste buds, right? And so At a our, price point that they can stomach. That's right. Well, you know, I, I, at a price, that's right. That's the right way of saying it because you can charge a very, very low price. But if it's still mediocre food that makes you feel bad, it's not a good deal. Right. You can charge a little bit more if you're doing something with integrity and you're using food ingredients that make a difference and you're cooking from scratch, made fresh, made to order. You can actually charge a little bit more, and it's still a great value for guests. Mm-hmm. Now, we saw with uh, Chipotle, for example, their, their, their whole restaurant chain is built around the idea that they are sourcing their food locally. That's changed a little bit over the past couple of years after the food scares, the E. coli scares. How do you, uh, as a company, seeing this unfold at, at a, another casual dining restaurant, how do you sort of wrap your hands yeah. around this and make sure that food quality is there and the safety is there? Yeah, I think it's always a balancing act, and every company uh, looks at this very carefully. We do. So we do not try to source everything locally and organically because I can't guarantee the supply chain. I can't feel good about knowing that I'm providing safe food for our guests. And so there are places where we make sure that I'm going to get you the best that I can get you, and I'm going to do the best that I can. So if you want avocados right here, I can't get those locally. I've got to bring those up from somewhere else. 
uh, when it comes to our raw proteins, so beef and 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 our uh, chicken supply, I'm going to make sure that I go to the best supply chain partners that we have who can guarantee me clean product that's been ethically and humanely produced. And so we give you the best product that we can. It may not be organic, mm-hmm. but I can guarantee you that it's safe. And what about, uh, just to get back quickly to expansion plans, from what I understand, you have a restaurant in Kuwait, Dubai. Yeah. Yeah. What we, about the Middle East? The Middle East seems like a big growth opportunity for you. Middle East, we've had a fantastic partner who's been growing uh, tremendously. We actually have six restaurants in the United Arab Emirates. Wow. We have, um, interestingly enough, one of the fun stories is we have two restaurants in the same mall in Kuwait at opposite <laughs> ends of the mall. That must be some big mall. It is a big mall. Okay. There's 14 Starbucks at that mall. <laughs> to give me an idea. Okay. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. But those perform incredibly well. We have, we have a great partner who really operates great restaurants there. Before we let you go, Michael, uh, what's your favorite dish at P.F. Chang's? I, I like spicy, Alexis. So I'm with you. Yeah, so I, I love our Kung Pao shrimp, but I have a twist on it. So okay. I use Kung Pao shrimp. I like to throw in snap peas and carrots to get my veggies in it. So do they do that special for the CEO? Oh, they'll get- do that for you if you just ask. <laughs> really? Okay, yes. I like it. Michael Osanlu of P.F. Chang's, thanks so much for spending time with us on this podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Yahoo Finance Presents podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus. Be sure to rate, review, and share this podcast. And remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode.